Our first uh, scripture reading of the morning comes to us from the book of Genesis. We're in that sermon series on Genesis, and we're looking uh, this morning at the story of Abraham and Sarah, and first I'm going to be reading uh, verses 9 through 15. It picks up a little bit in the middle of the story as Abraham is visited upon by some uh, rather unusual characters. It has three men. Presumably they they were angels, so um, we're going to pick up that narrative here in verse 9. I invite you to follow along on the screen. They said to him, meaning Abraham, where is your wife Sarah? And he said, there in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why does Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, oh, yes, you did laugh. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second uh, scripture reading is also from uh, the book of Genesis. We're looking at Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 through 7. The Lord dealt with Sarah as he had said, And the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to his son, whom Sarah bore him. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old, when his son Isaac was born to him. Now Sarah said, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, who would ever have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, in spite of my uh, sermon title, which is in your bulletin, my purpose today is not necessarily to make you laugh. However, if you feel moved during the course of the message, I hope you will feel free to let it out, knowing that laughter can have a physical benefit to your health. It was Johnny Carson who once said, when you suppress a laugh, it goes back down into your body and spreads your hips. So you don't want to do that. (laughs) Now, down through the ages, philosophers have debated over what it is that tickles our funny bone and causes that joyous explosion to come out of our lungs and across our vocal cords, which we call laughter. William Barclay said it well when he wrote, the Christian is a person of joy. The Christian is the laughing cavalier of Christ. A gloomy Christian is a contradiction in terms. And nothing in all religious history has done Christianity more harm than its connection with black clothes and long faces. (laughs) 
Now, sadly, there are some people who think that church should be the place that is sour and dour, all serious, all the time, and we walk around looking as if we were baptized in lemon juice. These would be people who have lost the ability to find humor in things. And in doing so, they've lost a joy of life and a joy in the Lord. Life Magazine, how many of you remember Life Magazine? They once had this a full page photo of a crowded street in New York City and the caption read, what happened? And when you look at the picture, you too wonder what happened? All these sad, downcast faces of people. And the point of the article was nothing happened. These were the everyday faces of normal people on a typical day in New York City. Someone once said, what we feel inside eventually becomes permanently etched on our face. And some psychologists believe that after the age of 40, you are responsible for your face. Now that's a scary thought, especially if you're over the age of 40, or if you're a minister over the age of 40. Reminds me sort of the lady who was online at the supermarket and she recognized the man in front of him as a pastor at a nearby church. And so she said, hey, I know you. You're pastor so-and-so from the Baptisterian church down the road. And this man, he got all upset. He said, no, 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 I'm not a pastor. You see, it's just that I've been sick. <laughs> I'll explain it to you later. Now, on the other hand, there are Christian thinkers who have tended to revere laughter as a gift from God. Most notably, we think of the author Dante and his literary classic, The Divine Comedy. Now, what you consider to be funny and what I consider to be funny may not be the same thing as humor is often in the eyes of the beholder. Now, a good comedian is someone who is able to make connections between, between two things that are in different compartments and uh, they're separated, but they're able to make that close tie-in. For example, I want to give you my first Christmas joke of the year. Don't groan. It might be good. Wait for it. Two men were uh, in the lobby of a Holiday Inn, and they were playing chess. And one of them made an illegal move, and then they really got into it. And the assistant manager told them they had to stop raising their voices, or else he was going to have to ask them to leave. Well, a few minutes later, sure enough, they were back at it again. Their, their loud voices filling the lobby. And this time, the assistant manager threw them out. Well, the next day, the manager asked the assistant manager why he had asked the two men to leave. And the assistant manager said back to the manager, if there's one thing I can't stand is chestnuts boasting in an open foyer. <laughs> I've got a couple of weeks to work on things, so it's good. <laughs> so we have uh, connections between unrelated events, even if they may not be particularly funny. So humor can be silly, but it also should be a surprise. Henny Youngman's old gag, take my wife, please, isn't funny because we've heard it a bazillion times. Humor takes surprise, like when pastors get all tongue-tied with their words. One pastor, during the course of the pastoral prayer, bowed his head and prayed, Lord, forgive us for our shorts falling. 
Or the minister who wanted the stewardship campaign to get off to a good start, bowed his head and, 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 and said to the people, I upped my pledge, up yours. <laughs> good. Or the minister in doing a baptism for a baby said, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you see, it is, it is good to laugh in church. It's good to be in a place that is filled with joy as we gather as God's people right here. Now, I'm not going to paint this morning Jesus as some kind of Jerry Seinfeld in robe and sandals. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus was a man of sorrows, afflicted with grief, but with a certain comic side. For example, I want you to listen to some of the rib ticklers that Jesus told to his audience. In effect today, he would have said, guys, it is harder for rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven than it is for a Mercedes to fit through a revolving door. Or to the question, does God answer prayer? What Jesus might have said in our modern context is, listen, when your 10-year-old comes to you asking for a maple hop double scoop ice cream and a waffle cone, do you give him a black widow spider? When he asks you for a piggyback ride, do you knock it out his front teeth? Does God answer prayer? Is the Pope Catholic? Of course God answers prayer. See, that is very much the kind of tone and tenor that Jesus used his words when he was teaching the parables to his disciples. And so it shouldn't be surprising to you and me that the Bible celebrates laughter. Psalm 126 verse 1 says, When the Lord brought back the captives of Zion, our mouths were filled with laughter. Jesus said, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And then, of course, we have the Apostle Paul's words in Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. You may not believe this, but laughter is what the Bible is all about. Your salvation may depend upon whether you can take a joke or not. In fact, the Bible is a kind of comedy where there is a chuckle on every page. Because you see, if the parables are holy jokes in which God shows us that he loves a good story, then the miracles, the miracles are God's pranks that shows he pulls wild and impossible stunts over people's lives. Are you aware of the madcap antics of this practical jokester? In the Bible we find the seas part, the sun stands still, Little boy, against all odds, defeats a giant. A brown bag lunch feeds an army of people on a hillside. And then there's four-day-old dead mummy Lazarus who hippity-hops out of his grave like a man in a sack race at the company picnic. The miracles are God's punchline delivered from on high to unsuspecting men and women. And you know what? Sometimes... God really tells a good one. Did you hear about the old gray-haired lady named Sarah who was having to squint the focus on the baby in her arms, which was not her grandson, but her son? As I continue my sermon series on the book of Genesis, I think it is fitting that we look at a biblical character who is known for her laughter. In Genesis, we find the first great matriarch of the Bible, Sarah, the wife of Abraham. 
Now, many of you have probably heard sermons about Abraham and his faith. In fact, I know you did because I just preached on Abraham two weeks ago on October 30th. But have you ever heard a sermon on Sarah and her faith? I actually can answer that for you. You have. My good friend, John Minahan, preached a sermon on Sarah back when he was here in September as a part of his sermon. Remember, it was titled, Go Ahead and Laugh, It's Okay. Well, today, I'm going to try to one-up my running buddy, John Minahan, and preach a message that I'm calling Holy Humor. I don't promise to be as funny as John. In fact, judging so far by the content, I know I'm not as funny as John. I don't promise to have as many jokes in my sermon as John did. But what I hope you will experience is a laughter in your soul that comes from God. You see, I think that Sarah was a lot like Ginger Rogers. What do I mean by that? Fred Astaire may have gotten top billing, but as someone said, Ginger Rogers did everything Fred Astaire did, only backwards and in high heels. <laughs> Sarah did everything Abraham did, but without those audible messages from God. And she was the one who bore the child of the promise. And she laughed along the way. You know, if you think about it, there's two kinds of laughter in the Bible. There was the time that Jesus went to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. Why? Because his daughter was deathly ill. And Jesus said, your daughter will be well. And the response from the crowd was they laughed. It was this cold, cynical, sarcastic, skeptical laughter of disbelief. Sarah laughed that kind of laughter. But you know, there's another kind of laughter in the Bible. It's the kind of laughter that comes when you are expecting the absolute worst and instead wind up with the most wonderful, incredible, unbelievable best. And Sarah experienced that kind of laughter as well. You may remember a couple weeks ago, I told you that Sarah's name means princess. So she was considered royalty in her native Ur, the Chaldees, when she was growing up. She married this dreamy sort of boy who spent a lot of time looking up at the stars and communing with God. And one day, her husband Abraham came to her and said to her that God had told him that he had chosen another country for them to live. And of course, Sarah asked, well, where is this country? And Abraham said, I don't know, but God will tell us when we get there. He told her, God said, if we go to this country, you will be the father and mother of a great nation, and that God will bless the world through our children. And so out of a love for God, out of a love for her husband, Sarah waved goodbye to all of her family and friends, and the princess became a missionary. Only it's not the vacation adventure she had in mind. They have to go to Egypt because there's a famine in the land. They have all kinds of challenges. There are in-law challenges. There are marital challenges. There are health challenges. They're getting older. There's still no baby. Time drags on. Sarah's biological clock is ticking. Their patience is wearing thin. And yet God keeps coming down and says, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the heavens and as the sand on the seashore. God says, this whole land of Canaan will be your children's children. And Sarah says, but 
I don't, I don't even have one child. Well, just about the time that Sarah resigned herself to life never being any better than the mess that she made by having her maid Hagar give birth to a child with Abraham, that God comes to her when she is at the age of 90. God says, Sarah is going to have a baby. And you heard me read earlier, Sarah is eavesdropping inside the tent, and she laughs that cynical, sarcastic, skeptical, huh, kind of laugh. She thinks, now, now God comes to me as an OBGYN? That's a laugh. And God overhears her and says, Sarah, did you laugh? And Sarah says, who me? I, I didn't laugh. Why would I laugh? And God says, you did laugh. And just for that, Sarah, I'm going to call your little boy Isaac. Yitzhak in Hebrew, which means laughter. God says, Sarah, every time you see that little boy run by you, you're going to know that the laugh was on you. Nine months, three chapters later, Abraham and Sarah laugh all the way home from the maternity ward, carrying in their arms their little laughter, Isaac. And I love what Sarah says in Genesis chapter 21, verse 6. God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. Can you imagine the laughter of the neighbors peeking through the blinds of their front window, watching Sarah take the car seat out of the family minivan. And they laugh about the wonder of a God who, who breaks forth in the families with unexpected mercy and grace. Friends, the Bible talks about the characteristics of God's own spirit. Number two is joy. You know the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and on it goes. We all know certain people who are just so joyful in their life that it is impossible to be in a rotten mood when you're around them, and they're in pretty high demand when you're putting together your party list. Why? Is it because everything in their life is perfect? No. It's just that they have this contagious, infectious joy that no matter what may be going on in their lives, planned or unplanned, unfortunate or even tragic, they recognize the power and promise and presence of God at work in their lives. <clears throat> Barbara Johnson was one of the great Christian humorists and writers of our day. Listen to some of her book titles. Splashes of joy in the cesspools of life. <laughs> Stick a geranium in your hat and be happy and then... Fresh elastic for stretched out moms. Life, though, was not easy for Barbara Johnson. In March of 1968, her son Steve joined the Marines and headed off to Vietnam. At the end of July, Steve's entire company of 65 men were killed. Two years after that, her husband Bill lay by the side of the road after a serious car accident, leaving him virtually blind and with severe brain damage. The doctors predicted that he would be in a non-functioning vegetative state for the rest of his life. But after two years of intense therapy, prayer, and yes, laughter too, he recovered and went back to work as a mechanical engineer. But then their oldest son, Tim, was killed by a drunk driver in 1973 while he was driving back with some friends from Alaska. And sadly enough, Barbara Johnson herself died of cancer in 2007. But despite all the setbacks, 
all the tragedies, Barbara Johnson chose to walk with the joy of life in Christ. She once wrote this, sometimes I meet people who think I'm a little too joyful, that I'm ducking reality and ignoring the painful facts of life. But I simply tell them I'm not ignoring the facts, I'm just looking at them and trying to find joy, not misery. Pain is inevitable, but misery is optional. Every day is so precious, and we have no time to waste. Some days may bring pain, but we always have a choice between misery and joy. I would like to propose an unofficial motto for this church as we come into the holiday season. We have our own mission statement. We have a vision statement. This is going to be an unofficial motto. May we be known by our love, our laughter, and our lives. I'll say it again. May Chestnut Level Presbyterian Church be known by our love, our laughter, and our lives. And may God double you over with his joy. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Lord God, we work so hard to eliminate any surprises in our schedules, to make our lives run like clockwork, and then we can almost hear a chuckle coming from heaven. And so God, give to each of us joy and laughter, not just at Thanksgiving this month, not just at Christmas next month, but throughout the next year as well. Help us to receive your surprises May they be pleasant or even a bit irritating as gifts from you and to obey your call to act even when it goes against our own plans. God, we pray that you would break into our tidy little worlds, that we might know your love even as you sent Isaac into the lives of Abraham and Sarah. And may we laugh with joy over your love, your care, your grace, and your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.